0: Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. How is everybody today? Hope y'all are having a good week. I hope that people that were affected by Ian are slowly getting back to a sense of normalcy. I saw that the Sanibel Causeway is open. That's awesome. Um, that's a great step in rebuilding. So that's great. I am glad to know that most of us eat chili when it's cold. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I thought that we were going to get some uh all over the board. But uh shout out to Andy who eats ice cream when it's cold. Yeah. It's totally only you, man. <laughs> um and I'm glad that everybody likes the fall weather. I thought that I would get at least one no. I was surprised at that. Can you guys believe that it's October? Not even October, it's like the mid past the midpoint of October. I feel like this month has just flown past. And then what's next? The holidays and then twenty twenty three? I am actually okay with saying goodbye to 2022 and looking forward to new things and new years. Thank you to everybody who's interacted with the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. You guys are simply awesome. I can't thank you enough for supporting the podcast. Thank you if you've given a review on Spotify or Apple. Um, Reviews are always appreciated. Uh, Genuinely cannot thank you enough for those of you who have given them. It really helps to get the podcast out to new listeners. So today I'm going to just do... um, a topic that I honestly did not realize had this much info about it. So, that's kind of fun. me. Um, I didn't realize that uh, this small town with a big history in South Florida was so interesting. Have you ever heard of the city on the circle? If you have and you know what I'm talking about, you already know the town I'm talking about. If you don't, that is actually the nickname for Sebring, Florida. And the nickname comes from Circle Drive in the center of Sebring's Downtown Historic District. Sebring is the seat of Highland County in South Florida, and it's, like, in the middle of South Florida, almost, like, directly down the spine of the state. Sebring is over 100 years old. It was actually founded in 1912 after George E. Sebring, who was a pottery manufacturer from Ohio, he came down and he developed the city. George wanted the city to have a circular plan as a focal point for the city. Weird flicks, but okay. Sebring was officially chartered by the state one year later in 1913 and was selected at the seat of Highlands County when Highlands County was established in 1921. I think it's so strange to hear that counties were still being developed in Florida in 1921, given that this state has such a long history. To me, that's just amazing. So Sebring is a small town of about 10,000 people, uh, but it's home to the Sebring International Raceway. And the raceway is actually what the city is most known for. And it was kind of, it's kind of cool how it was created. It was actually created out of a former army base, the Hendrix Army Airfield. And the raceway was first used in 1950. And then in 1959 for the Formula One Grand Prix, it was actually hosted on this same raceway. And it's most known for the 12 Hours of Sebring and the annual WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Race. So Sebring actually has a really, really interesting past for only being just over 100 years old. And since it's most well known for the track, let's talk about that part first, because that's actually one of the really cool parts of the city. The track opened in, like I said, 1950 as a road racing style course that was styled after those used in the European Grand Prix motor races. The first race was actually on New Year's Eve in 1950, and it was actually six hours. Now, the next race after that was the first official 12 hours of Sebring. And that race is famous because it's once around the clock. And that's literally the nickname for it, Once Around the Clock. And the Once Around the Clock action starts in the day and finishes at night. Uh, The early races were a combined course of former airport runways and two narrow service lane roads, which sounds super scary to me, but it drew a lot of people and a lot of race car drivers. In 1966, the event was actually a turning point, though, in Sebring's history as the safety of the course was heavily criticized. In that year alone, five people were killed during the race. Um, That was more in one year than had been in the 15 years prior to the race being started. A racer was killed on one of the hairpin turns, and then four spectators were killed when two cars hit each other, which I'm like, why would you be standing that close? But, you know, is what it is. I know on the European, sometimes you see them, they'll actually be standing like right off the course, and I'm like, okay, y'all are little braver than I am. That's cool. Um, But these events, these sad events, caused the facility to be upgraded, which is not a bad thing. And they even ended up changing the layout of the circuit. The new layout eliminated some of the Webster turns and moved the straightaway away from the buildings on the course. So that if they did crash, no buildings were going to get hurt. The changes made in the circuit have made it much safer, and only four deaths have actually been reported since those changes in 1966. The race has been called the Preparation for the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the reason that people like this racetrack is because of how the racetrack is. It's actually a bumpy track, so it gets people used to their cars, and it also you also have to deal with Florida's weather, because they have it in the spring, and so it can either be hot or cold, and this is really to test the car's reliability through the race because you never know what kind of um, conditions you're going to get thanks to Florida's weather. Uh, the races do still happen, and the most wins have ever been has been by Tom Kirstensen with six victories. Uh, they do take place, like I said, and they happen in March, so if we miss this month, you can always go see next year's. It's, it's a very interesting place to go and to see these things. It's a really cool history. It's one that, you know, Florida kind of has all those random history things that you're not expecting. And I'll be honest, when I, first time I ever heard of Sebring and the race, I was like, people go to this? But it's actually a big draw for the city. I was kind of surprised. So if you're into racing, especially the Le Mans or Grand Prix, you definitely want to check out Sebring and even maybe go see the race in March. Sebring is also interesting because it. It kind of seems isolated. It has no major interstates and only a few highways in or out of the city. U.S. Route 27 is a major route to the rest of the state. And while the city does have a few other routes, such as State Road 64 or 66, those are the main routes in and out of the city. Those are really the only three. Um, So it's kind of weird because it's not near 95. It's not near the Florida Turnpike. It's not near 75. So it's it's kind of interesting to go to Sebring you kind of have to go almost through like old Florida to get to this cute quiet little town. And of course the city is named its streets after automobiles and manufacturers and models of cars as a nod to the yearly race and the history. And excuse me, the yearly race and the history of the city. The downtown historic district though is a US historic district as of 1990 and it actually contains 22 historic buildings. Um so basically this town has really held on to its history and upheld it and made sure that it's been preserved, which I think is really cool. Um, It's always fun to go look at old Florida or see the old style of buildings the way things used to be. And I think it's cool that Sebring has managed to hold on to that history. Now, the town is not completely isolated. It does have a regional airport that does have flights in and out. The main flight is from Sebring to Orlando. And the airport also is home to the Sebring International Raceway. So they do still race on some airfields. The airport does, also did host its own event, which was the U.S. Sports Aviation Expo. It doesn't mean that anymore, but it held it for, I think it said between 7 and 10 years. I couldn't find an exact timeline, which I thought was really weird. But anyways, it used to have its own expo, which is kind of cool. And of course, the city is home to a train station that is home to Amtrak. So you can still take Amtrak through Sebring. The train station is one of the older buildings in the city. It was built in 1924 and has been in use ever since. The depot was built by the Seaboard Air Line and is on the National Register of Historic Places. The daily trains go south to Miami or north to Tampa, Orlando, and New York City. Which I think it's kind of cool that you can board a train on Sebring and go to New York City. Uh, The railroad is still used heavily in the area, especially by CSX, to transport sugar from Clewiston to the rest of the country. What's also cool about Sebring is, is that it also embraces its nature. And it's really interesting because this city actually has three main lakes within its limits. And they're not small lakes. You have Lake Jackson, Dinner Lake, and Little Lake Jackson. All within the city limits of this small town. Dinner Lake is obviously within the city limits and actually has a public boat ramp for use. It's not a, It's not the biggest of the three lakes. But it is one that the public likes to use especially popular for fishing. Lake Jackson is a freshwater lake that's about 25 feet deep at its deepest points. The water is clear and the shores are sandy, so it's a great place to visit to use watercrafts, lay out on the beaches. Um, There is a public swimming beach, so you can enjoy that. It's also popular for fishing, and it's probably the most popular fishing dock near the little downtown area. And of course, Lake Jackson is connected to Little Lake Jackson by a short canal. Little Lake Jackson is also in the sea limits, like I said, and it's about 30 feet deep at its deepest point. So it's probably the deeper of all three lakes. Uh, This lake does not have direct access. There's no boat dock that you can actually just go into it. But you can access it by the short canal that does connect it to Lake Jackson. This one's also popular for fishing and boating. And the shores of the lake are actually home to Harder Hall, which is kind of a really cool um, landmark in Sebring. Harder Hall is a classic Spanish-style hotel that was built in 1928 as a resort that included a golf course. Super fancy for its time. Super nice. And it was, the hotel was really built because Debring was a stop on the railroad. So, people wanted to stop and hang out before they got to Miami or just enjoy some time there or spend the winters there. That was an option. And the hotel's beautiful. Um, it had 134 rooms with a beautiful mezzanine lobby and a great room that had French doors that overlooked the lake. So it was really fancy for its time. But the cool thing about this resort is that it did include a golf course. And the golf course was actually transformed into a championship layout. And PGA did come calling. Some PGA events were played on this course. The hotel was visited by some famous people in its heydays. People like Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, and even Mario Andretti. And Mario Andretti actually visited the town a lot. He raced in the 12 Hours of Sebring. Um I believe he raced in actually a couple. And the hotel was huge. It survived until 1981 when it's Sorry guys, my cat is joining in. Um the hotel survived in 19 till Teen, what do you think? You think the hotel was nice? Yeah? You got nothing to say now? Okay. Um sorry. So the hotel survived until 1981 when it was sold and abandoned. The city of Sebring actually currently owns the hotel as it bought it in an auction in 2007. The Sebring is also home to the Highlands Hammock State Park, and that's probably one of its biggest draws. The park is 9,000 acre state park right off US 27. The park was founded in 1931, and it has more rare and endemic species in the park than any other state park in Florida. It's actually a beautiful park. I definitely recommend going. The park came about when local citizens didn't want to see the hammocks turned into farmland. They were forward-thinking. They they wanted to preserve the land as it was, and they actually bought the property in 1931. They then promoted it as a candidate for national park status through early examples of grassroots supports for environmental preservation. Now, the park never did become a national park the way that they wanted it to, but it did become one of the original four Florida State Parks. When the system was created in 1935. Which I think is really cool. It's really cool to, be, to say that you're one of the original state parks. And the park is home to old growth hammocks, bald cypress, cabbage palmettos, orchids, and bromeliads. The trees in the park are believed to be th- over a thousand years old. And one is possibly the largest oak tree in Florida that has a girth of 36 feet. So you're talking old Florida. That's really cool. The park is full of wildlife such as white tailed deer, alligators, otters, pleated woodpeckers, golden silk spiders, barred owls, and re-shouldered hawks that are all common to the area. You also may, go, may be lucky enough to see a Florida black bear, a bald eagle, a bobcat, a Florida panther, and some say maybe the swamp ape uh, on different occasions in this area. So the park is great for bird watching, as many pl- species call this park home or visit the area. You can see wading birds, raptors, songbirds, especially migratory birds and ducks on a daily basis. So if you're definitely into wildlife, this is definitely gonna be a park that you wanna visit. The park has a three mile paved loop through it. And the idea for it is really for skating, hiking and biking through the park. They wanted to make a safe place for people to be able to enjoy the park. And the trail takes you through the hammocks and allows you to see the vegetation up close. And if you're more adventurous, the park also contains a six-mile off-road bicycle trail. You can rent bikes that you wish to ride them on the paved loop, but you can't ride bikes on the boardwalk and nature trails. If you do decide you want to ride the six-mile off-roading bike, probably better bring your own, especially if you will have the wider tires. The pork du... the pork... sorry guys, apparently I'm hungry. The park... It does feature a boardwalk that allows you to walk through the cypress swamps and to see the swamps up close. You can catch a glimpse of herons, egrets, alligators. You'd be surprised what lives in the swamps. Unfortunately, I haven't seen an ogre yet. Maybe one day we'll see Shrek. <laughs> uh, the park is also home to campsites. Uh, you can camp with hookups or primitively. I'm not with you people who primitive camp. That's all y'all. Uh, the campsites do have hookups, restrooms, showers, laundry facilities. And they have picnic tables, campfire rings, and even some can accommodate up to 50 feet RDs, RVs. I don't know, English is hard today. apparently, you guys. Um. So yeah, you can bring your RV and you can camp here. They have ADA campsites, which are near the restrooms, which is kind of cool. And they also have a recreational hall, which is a rental facility that includes a kitchen, a stage, a seating area, a playground, barbecue grills, and restrooms. So hold your weddings, hold your family reunions, your parties your other events in this state park. I think that'd be kind of cool. Hiking is also very popular in this park because of the nine trails within the park. The trails are located on Loop Drive. And most trails connect with bridges or catwalks. The trails run through the hammocks, the cypress swamps, and the pine, pine flatwoods. You can see many different things as you walk through these trails. The Alexander Blair Big Oak Trail is a shorter trail but it is named for the oak tree that is 36 feet across or you can take the hickory trail via the catwalk from the oak trail to see the expansive canopy and enjoy the shade the trails through the park each show you a different part of the park and a different part of nature and it allows you to see the different beautiful areas of the park i think that's cool especially the fact that they have the connecting trails so you don't you know one you don't get lost easily and two um you can just kind of keep going The park is really cool. It offers a tram tour, which I think is a really cool little addition. It's a guided and narrated tour where visitors can see alligators, birds, and other wildlife up close. The tours are actually conducted by the hammock in concession, and the tram runs along a loop through the hammocks before going into restricted areas where you can see the alligators, turtles, and otters playing in the swamps. The tours run from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and you can purchase tickets at the concession. I think that's a really cool little thing because I know some people can't walk that far or the need to be in the shade or something. And I think it's cool that they offer a tram, kind of like a behind-the-scenes tour to see the animals. And of course, like with anything, animals don't always cooperate. So don't be upset if you didn't see what the tour before you saw. Another cool thing on this park grounds is that they have a museum. The CCC, or the Civilian Conservation Corps, was a voluntary Government Work Relief Program that was from 1939 to 1942. The museum in the park has an interactive exhibit about the 1930s and 40s period of when the parks were constructed. The actual building itself was also constructed by the CCC. And a docent offers guided tours, runs films, and helps visitors get an overview of the Great Depression and why the CCC was so important, especially to that part of Florida. Of course, the park is home to the Hammock in camp store and concessions. I mentioned it, and the Friends of Highland Camp Highlands Hammock State Park support the store. Um, I by the way, I love that most Florida state parks have a Friends of whatever the state park is that help run it to give you better opportunities and cooler features and things that you would not naturally think of in a park. So especially this concession because this is a nice concession. It is open seven days a week, um, and it offers a variety of things to help you enjoy the park. They have cornhole rentals, bike rentals, ice, concessions, souvenirs, walking sticks, and so much more. They do have something they're known for. They are known for sour orange ice cream and pie. I don't know how I feel about that, but it sounds like something I would try at least once. Concessions also run the tram tours. The park is open year-round, and it is a beautiful place to explore right outside of Sebring. Don't miss the opportunity to check out an amazing piece of florida natural history now i will tell you that the park was damaged by hurricane ian it did get some of that area with the flooding and the winds so it might be closed for a bit but you can still help donate to the others in other state parks to help restore any of the parks that were affected by hurricane ian sebring is a beautiful small town in florida with a historic downtown that has just steps away from his from otter racing's history it's full of charm and small shops and delicious restaurants. So if you're looking for a camping vacation, a weekend getaway, or a race car enthusiast, then Seabring Florida is definitely for you. I hope I found a new place for you guys to explore in Florida. Uh, please remember that state parks are a treasure, so don't leave trash, don't feed the wildlife, and for the love of God, y'all, don't provoke Florida Man. He's out there. Today's Florida Man comes to us from Brevard County. Poor Brevard County. Everything just happens in Brevard County. Lord. Um, A 74-year-old man chased two people with a knife while on an electric scooter. The hell you can't just outrun him. Sorry. Daniel Zarelli took an 8-inch blade and actively followed a woman around his residence. She ran outside and he followed her outside where he encountered a man whom he then chased around a car. He slashed the left tire of the car with willful and malicious intent. And the police arrived on scene to find him still actively chasing a woman in the driveway. Zarelli was booked on multiple charges, including two instances of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Don't provoke Florida men. He has knives and apparently scooters. Thank you guys for listening today. Don't forget to check out Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. TikTok pages. Don't forget you can still... Donate to the Hurricane Relief really Fund. I know it's been three weeks, but people down there are just now getting to their homes. And there are still parts of Florida that are covered in water. So don't forget about them. Uh, don't forget to check out the polls and find questions on Wednesdays on the Facebook group and Instagram. Don't miss out. They're always fun. I get a lot of interesting answers, and you guys have been surprising me lately. If you do have a second, I really would appreciate that five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Thanks again for listening, guys. Stay hydrated, be nice, and as always... That's your daily dose of sunshine.